Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. With the holidays just around the corner, now is the time to order holiday cards for family and friends. Only this year, why not create custom holiday photo cards quickly, easily, and affordably at simplytoimpress.com. Simplytoimpress.com is your holiday photo card headquarters with thousands of unique Christmas cards and other designs to choose from. All you do is upload your family photos, personalize the text, and you're done. Simplytoimpress.com prints your cards on your choice of premium card stock in just a few days and rushes them straight to your door. Maybe that's why the New York Times wire cutter named Simply to Impress their favorite photo card service. They even offer foil cards and hundreds of great holiday card designs for your business, too. Place your order today to save 30% and get free shipping. Just enter promo code DEAL at checkout. Save big on holiday photo cards today using promo code DEAL at simplytoimpress.com. That's simplytoimpress.com. John Boy Media, he's got his Everybody INFL podcast. He's also a Yes Network contributor, you might say. Keith McPherson, uh, over the past year, you've accomplished a lot, kind of an overachiever, my man. Uh, how, how's it going? Uh, Jack, what's up, dude? Uh, thanks for having me on. Overachiever, I guess I would say <laughs> I'm an overachiever. Yeah. I just, I grind and I work and I try and make things happen. And I'm blessed to say that they happen. You know, so many people create things and put things out there that don't connect. And that's half the have to battle you're, you're not going to be able to hit on everything you're not going to win every time but i've created some things out there that people like and people are into and uh i'm going to continue to so thanks for having me on and uh yeah there's more stuff on the way well you're welcome and you guys are just coming off of uh SantaCon. i saw some of the stuff you put out on your instagram page SantaCon welcoming uh, garrett cole to the bronx big signing yeah. last week at the winter meetings in san diego uh was that a part of the yes network because again i know you're kind of working with the yes network now yeah, so through working with Yes, um, this was Fandom Acts of Kindness Part 2. So the first yeah. Fandom Acts of Kindness we did was to celebrate the Yankees winning the AL East and going to the postseason in September. And uh, I went around Times Square, Bryant Park, just like men on the street in New York City, surprising fans, seeing who's a Yankee fan, who's your favorite player, and then giving out jerseys, hats, koozies, pop sockets. Uh, it was cool. It, it made it like a little quick commercial, yeah. and that commercial ran on Yes Network through all of October. Um, the people at Yes, good people, shout out to Yes, they came up with the second idea, and they decided, hey, everyone's using this uh, Yankees got coal in their stocking thing. We need to own it. Let's create something around it. Let's grab Keith. Let's hit the streets for SantaCon. And we literally walked around with stockings. Some had coal in it, but for the most, like, like actual, like, rocks. <laughs> but for the most part, we gave out Garrett Cole posters, um, these stress balls with, you know, yes, uh, Yankees on yes, and uh, little pop sockets and just little, like, things like that, like Yankee swag to people. And um, it'll be coming out soon. Be on the lookout for it on Yes Network's digital channels. They'll, uh, 
they're actually editing it now. They should have it out before Christmas. Oh, sweet. I love how Yes Network is kind of adapting, kind of evolving into this. Again, 2019, 2020, all this video content coming out. We were talking about John Boy Media before he came on. Yeah. Uh, they have all the stuff. They had the Buzz in the Bronx stuff content content throughout the season. What, what was that set up like? Because I, I go to school in Phoenix. I wasn't home all summer long. Uh, what was the Buzz yeah. in the Bronx set up like? Because I, I saw, like, of course, they set it up with Davey Cutts. Uh, Paul O'Neill in a chair, you had David Cohn in a chair, and then you had you got you, Bro, Joe's was McFly. How, how was that set <laughs> I mean, up? Was it like me, open for everybody? Or? Uh, it, have, like, it, it, all right, so when you're, it's, it, they set us up right in front of the park where the old Yankee Stadium was. Yeah. So we're right, right across the street. Like, we're sitting in the barber chairs looking at Yankee Stadium. There's cars going by, there's fans going by, and you just see, like, Paul O'Neill roll up in a black Escalade, <laughs> hop out the back, jump on set. I got to, I mean, I've met Paul and I've met Cone, but I got to like really sit there and have a conversation with them. And it's cool. It, it like, it literally creates a buzz in the Bronx and then the play on words. They had Davey Cuts. That's yeah. my guy. Uh, cuts hair in the Bronx. They had him come in and standing as the barber. And they did a, a little series for like, you know, um, the Yankees digital um, like email. If you sign up for the email, you get those. And it was cool because you put real fans with the the yes talent meredith michael k did one and it just creates like i don't know it creates like the buzz in the bronx and that like different content that like you said yes network is smart they um they pull people like me joe's mcfly but then they also pull people off the street so it's like you might recognize me from yankees twitter you might recognize me from you know online stuff but then they give people the chance that are just going to a game i met a lady who was standing out there trying to buy tickets on StubHub. I helped her buy tickets on StubHub, and she's like, what's this? What are you doing? Like, who are you? And I'm like, I guess I'm like a social media person around the Yankees. I'm like an online Yankee fan. And she's like, can I get in this? They got her in it. She got to ask Paul, um, answer a question from Paul O'Neill. It, like, made her day. So the Yes Network is very smart with how they're playing their online video content and yeah. what they're creating around fans and you know as popular digital fans it's it's great and was it through your obviously social media following that yes network contacted you how did that work out yeah, you yeah. Up with yes network? it was amazing i got a dm from yes network <laughs> <laughs> i got a dm awesome. from at yes network on twitter and I'm, I'm looking around i'm like yo is this serious i think i asked i asked maybe like three or four people in the yankee world that i knew um i was like did you get this dm did you get this from yes network I'm like is this only me but uh, McFly, I got it too. And um, Joe's McFly and I go back to when he, before he went viral. And it was cool. They, they reached out and they invited us to a suite to watch the game on the trade deadline day. And uh, they've been great. Me growing up watching the Nets and obviously watching the Yankees on Yes Network, it's a dream come true to now be um, someone that works for them, someone that is connected with them. And even being able to say, hey, you know, let's do this, or, like, you know, being a part of it. They, uh, they're they way far and ahead of some other networks, channels that they haven't really got it yet. You can tell that Yes Network is, they're going to be doing big things coming forward or going forward, and they're under a lot of change right now because Amazon has acquired the network, and yeah. things happen with Fox and Disney, and I don't know, it's, it's looking up. The, the, the Nets have Katie and Kyrie, so we're set over there in Brooklyn for the next couple years, and then Obviously, we just signed Garrett Cole to the Yankees, so it's going to be a fun time. And obviously, I think you even said it best, this is kind of the podcast era for a lot of yeah. people. Like those college kids like me, like everybody has a podcast these days. It doesn't matter what they're into, sports, music, movies. 
a lot of people have their own shows. How did you specifically get into podcasting? Because you talk about the John Boys and the Joe's McFly's. How did how did podcasting become like? Okay, this is what I want to do. It is a podcast era, yeah. and um, I encourage everyone to at least try a couple episodes or find what you like and sit down and talk about it. Get a microphone. Um, try and get over the sound of your own voice. Try and get over uh, tripping over your words. Not everyone's going to be great at it right away, but it takes practice. What I would say for me is that I went to school for radio. My degree is in radio and television. So this is just another form of radio to me. It's just on the on-demand radio. It's just not on the airwaves. So me being um, a person that had already had experience with microphones, being on air, being like in my radio club, shout out to WMCX, W8.9 FM, Mom of the University. <laughs> I was on the air one summer for three hours a day, five days a week, creating content. Now, this is in like 2010. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was a DJ and I was a sports guy. I played football in school and I DJed at like one of the local bars and parties and stuff. So I would go on air. I would spin for 30 minutes and then I would do like, I'd read the sports scores and then I'd talk about different sports and then I'd interview someone and have a guest on. So I would like always fill out the three hours. Now, when I got into the corporate world, it was hard to land a radio job, I guess, because the mediums were changing or whatever. But in the last few years, I saw the podcast era becoming a thing. I'm like, podcast, podcast, podcasts have been out for a while, but I guess just the way people are so consumed with things, um, the way that like everyone's always moving now is a time where you can you can digest a podcast show uh, with just pure audio. I mean, some of these podcasts obviously have video, but you know, just taking in the audio while you're commuting, while you're cooking, cleaning, while you're in the gym. And I stayed away from it at first because I looked at it like like all right, this is a pool that everyone is jumping in right now. I knew that I had the talent, I knew that I had the experience. But I'm like, I don't want to be like everyone else. And I was also blinded by my corporate job. I was working corporate doing social media where I was so tunnel vision, one track mind. I'm like, this is the company I work for. This is what I do. This is what I create. I don't need to do any, anything like that. Um, then when I left the corporate world, I left the company. I was like, no, now I need to create and I need to use every skill, talent, asset that I have. Why not do a podcast? And um, Bronx Pinstripes. Uh, JJ, they reached out to me and said, you know, I'd already been working with Bronx Pinstripes doing videos. Like, I was a guy on Bronx Pinstripes that would go to away stadiums, and I'd do the Instagram story, like, hey, we're at the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates Stadium. We're at PNC Park. Yankees are playing the Pirates. Like, come along with me. I'll show you you guys the stadium. We'll go root for the Yankees, mix it up. I was doing that. And when they reached out to me, it was because um, Bronx Pinstripes had two podcasts a week, and they wanted a third, just trying to bolster... I guess their talent, bolster yeah. what they offered. And I, and I said, why not? Honestly, at first I said no. But then we like workshopped it a little bit. Um, we did some Google Docs. We did some test runs, which I, I encourage everyone. Write your ideas for your podcast in a Google Doc. Write every single idea, even if it's stupid. And then go through some test episodes before you ever put one out. You need to, you need to create that theater of the mind that you can't just do that on the fly. You need right. to have an intro. You need to have some catchphrases. You need to have some segments. You need to have some some sonic branding that people can listen to, and then that's what they become a fan of. And obviously, with Bronx Pinstripes, it kind of took off earlier this year. There was the video going around with you and uh, in, with Brian Cashman in the suite. How was that? What was that all about? How'd that come to fruition? <laughs> Cashman's box. Yeah. From George's box to Cashman's box. 
Man, I would just say in this Yankee universe, I'm someone that's extremely blessed. When you look at my Instagram and Twitter, I changed the first line is just blessed Yankee fan. Because growing up, I didn't know any of this stuff was going to happen. The Yankees were just a TV experience for me, dude. Like, looking at Brian Cashman on TV as a kid, I never thought I would meet Brian Cashman. Getting to watch a game this year in his suite, it was sweet. It was like the best (laughs) experience. It's Christmas time. I told people it was like Santa Claus walked in. I remember the game. It was the first time we did the Chad Nestor opening. Yeah. So Chad opened... And Nestor came in, and I'm, like, nervous for it. I'm like, all right, here we go. Like, this is who knows what this is going to be. And I'm watching the game, and there was, like, a couple old guys that were guests in the suite, too. And I remember them saying, they're like, who is this guy? He can call the game because I'm just giving him facts about Chad, facts about the batters, little things that, you know, I'm seeing in the game. And um, shout out to Batista. My, my guy, Donnie Batista, he taps me, and he goes, Keith, guess who's here? And I'm like look over my shoulder. I'm like, hey, Mr. Cashman, <laughs> yo. And he just kind of cool, like cool. comes in all cool, smirks, smiles. Hey, how you doing? I shake his hand. Hey, I'm Keith McPherson. And I start getting to it because I, uh, in my experience, I, I worked at MTV. I worked at Rock Nation. So I've been around people of status, uh, I guess famous people. I kind of hate the right, word famous yeah. people. But um, people that are famous and I've learned, don't bury the lead. These people meet so many people. They don't have that much time identify who you are and what you are that relates to them. Yeah. If you can if you can say one thing that's going to resonate with them, do it. Don't bury the lead. Don't talk about something that they don't they don't care about. Get right to it. I told him, "Hey, I'm Keith McPherson. I'm working with Bronx Pinstripes. We do a podcast called George's Box. We cover the Yankees every week. I'm a huge fan. I was in the MLB Fan Cave in 2014. I got to represent the New York yeah, Yankees. Yeah. I've been creating content around the Yankees ever since. It's a pleasure to meet you." And I, the biggest thing I said to him, um, I asked him, like, was he online? I was like, you online? Do you tweet? And uh, there was rumors going around that he had a burner account. Right, yeah, yeah. But he said, I don't tweet. Supposedly, he has a burner account where he just kind of watches Yankee land online, Yankees Twitter. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I don't tweet. And I say, well, you don't need to tweet. Uh, I was like, you do enough, which he obviously does enough. And I thanked him. I was like, love what you did with this team because this was in – I want to say this was in May or June where we had already started seeing injuries and guys like Gio Urshela were already a thing. That's a Cashman move. Guys are filling in like Mike Talkman. That's a Cashman move. I I thanked him. I was like, we we love what you did with this team, man, because if you didn't make those plan B's, C's, and D's in our system, we might be looking at a way different club right now. Oh, 100%. And next year, now that we have Garrett Cole, obviously the, the favorites of the MLB right now, if everybody could stay healthy, the Giancarlos, Gary Sanchez can go a season without being on the IL at least three times. You're looking at a team that could potentially uh, coincide, kind of compete for that best record ever with that 98 team that won 114 games. Yeah. I mean, the sky is the limit. And we're all Yankee fans, and we have seen the championship runs we know the pedigree. We know that every single season, it's championship or bust. Yeah. We know that there is no finishing second. We know that there is no pride in, in taking the Astros to game six of the ALCS. No. We're trying to win a championship, and we're trying to win multiple championships. And now we've anted up with Garrett Cole, and we have found these guys like the Gio Urshelas, and now we got Andujar coming back, and we got guys like Talkman that, you know, we didn't know what this guy was going to be, and he fills in. Even a guy like Higgy, right? Romine leaves to go to Detroit. 
we haven't signed another catcher yet. Maybe there's some faith in Higgy being the backup right, catcher yeah. behind Gary. But everyone is all in. When you put an ace like Garrett Cole at the top of our rota- rotation, it changes everything, dude. It's too, like That was the first thing I said. I'm like, do you guys know what this means? Like, for a couple years now, they've been saying the Yankees, they ain't, they ain't got no pitching. The Yankees' weakness, that rotation. Ah, uh, who's your game one starter? Who's your game? Like, that, I'm so tired of that debate. Yeah. It's done now. It's done now. I mean, yeah, for you. I mean, Tanaka, luckily, in the ALCS, looked like, He's never looked like before. Like the best version of Tanaka. Postseason Tanaka, man. He understands when it's postseason, turn it up a little bit. He's got that discipline and that demeanor, and, and I love that. When when it's October, we get the best out of him. Now, you mentioned uh, Austin Romine leaves with the Tigers. It was two years, four million, I think. I was talking to Jack Curry in San Diego at the winter meetings last week about Romine. I, th- I personally think, and I think a lot of people think this, Austin Romine is the best backup catcher in baseball from both offensive standpoint and defensive standpoint. Now he's going to Detroit where he's going to be playing with Miguel Cabrera. Everybody knows that that haymaker brawl a few years ago. Uh, he was saying that Higgy is the guy. Apparently everybody in the, the brass thinks that Higgy's the guy to back up Gary Sanchez moving forward. What are your thoughts on Austin Romine departing? Because, again, I thought he was the best backup catcher in baseball. I think that tagline is perfect for him. Yeah. And, and I know, I think John Boy said he's like, we all call Romine the best backup catcher in baseball, but how many backup catchers in baseball can you name? It doesn't matter. Exactly. We've seen yeah. Roro go out there time after time, hit a little slap, single when you need it, hit a bomb when you need it, just play tough, tackle Miguel Cabrera when you need it, start a brawl. <laughs> like, you know, just he's the type of guy that you root for. Um, on the trade deadline, when I was with the Yes Network and the Yes Network suite, once the trade deadline, deadline passed and the Yankees hadn't gotten anyone, there was this sense of, oh, we're done now. And I was on Yankee Twitter. I was like, if you think the Yankees are done because we didn't sign anyone, unfollow me. There was this, like, angst and this, like, back and forth. The first person to change that in the stadium, Austin Romine comes up. Boom. Hits a bomb. Like, yo, we're on to the second half of the season. Leave all that BS behind. I don't care what you guys are talking about. We're going to rock with the guys we got. Austin Romine, I wish him the best. I wish him, wish him luck. I didn't really understand Detroit. I'm like, ew, Detroit, nobody wants to go there. But his brother played over there right, or something. Right, yeah. He's looking like, hey, I think he's going to get $4 million a year. He's looking at it like this. Hey, if I go there, I bet on myself for one year, then maybe I can go to one of the more glamorous destinations. But right now, I need to take this opportunity to show the world that I can be a starter. And I hope he's an all-star. I hope he's. Yeah. I hope we're taught, we fast-forward to... Uh, June of, of this next coming year, and we're like, yo, bro, mine's put up all-star numbers for a catcher. It's him and Gary. How dope would it be to see him and Gary in an all-star game catching? Like, that's what I'm, I'm hoping for the guy because I just love the guy. And Higgy, man, Higgy's a big dude. I think he stands like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, He's got power. He, you know, they talk about his framing, right? They talk right, about yeah. him, him catching the ball and framing it. And, uh, you know, we got a new catching coach. So let's see what this new catching coach does with him and, and Gary – um, the Yankees will be just fine with Romine. It was time. Even, you know, Didi's press conference was today with the Phillies watching him put on that Very Philly sad, shirt. Yeah. It doesn't feel right, but it is time. <laughs> this is business. This is all business. And we did what we had to do to handle business to get Garrett Cole and some other things. Um, you know, you, you don't get. The Yankees get a lot, and there's no payroll, and we got all the money, but we can't get everything and keep everything. you right. got to give to get, so it is what it is. Yeah, it was kind of a bittersweet moment seeing Didi Gregorius and Joe Girardi back together again in 
white and red this time around didn't seem right. We got Garrett Cole's press conference tomorrow, though. Last week at the mini at the meetings, John Heyman and Ken Rosenthal were geeking out. Garrett Cole, nine years, three hundred twenty-four million dollars. Do you? Obviously, we love Garrett Cole. Obviously, at the top of that rotation, we'll take him any day of the week. Do you like three hundred twenty-four million dollars over nine years, though? Because to me, the back end of that deal, it's a no-brainer. It's not going to turn out well in year six, seven, eight, nine. You can't like that deal. Uh, what other $300 million deals have we seen pan out at the back? And yeah. it's just the market, though. And um, what I said immediately on Twitter was that one World Series is priceless. If we right. win one World Series with Garrett Cole on that mound, that, that money does not matter. The Yankees make a ridiculous amount of money. I want to say the Yankees brought in like $712 million in revenue just from the stadium or something I read recently. Yeah, Something ridiculous. Right. Where it basically was just saying, like, yo, they have the money. They're, they're like, don't worry about the money. Obviously, it's the market, right? Right. It's the, the, the AAV. The annual average value had to be, like, to sign this guy, you have to ante up. You got to give him the $36 million a year. This is what the market is in 2019 going on 2020. We ended up and did it. I've listened to so many people tell me how it's cheap. I, I listen to so many people saying Cashman's going to only, you know, do his process and go through his process. This is outside of the process. No, no. The evil empire is back. Yeah. They use the hammer. They use the big hammer to say, oh, we can afford it. Who else can afford it? You guys can't afford it. Angels? No. Dodgers? You guys are out? Cool. We'll take them. Highest bidder. Sold. And I, what is, this is more money, $324 million than, what, Teixeira, Sabathia, and Burnett combined in 09? It was, like, the big thing. Yeah, but that goes to show you it's been 10 years. Like, yeah. we needed to do this again. When we signed CeCe and Burnett um, and, and Teixeira, that year we went on and won the World Series. Everyone knew, oh, and that's when the, the Yankees buy their championships. So what? If anyone else could buy their championships, they would too. Exactly. I literally was looking at the CC picture from when he signed, and I think everywhere I saw it, I commented, time to do this again. We need to do this again. Time to do this again. We need to do this again. Because in the past years, right, we, we must have saved money somehow. We passed on Machado. We passed on Harper. We passed on Corbin. You know, you can go back through the years and see the, the top prize free agents that everyone was drooling over, everyone was talking about, and the Yankees said, oh, we're all right. We can afford them, but we're all right. This fit a need. And this was also part of, like, a, a, a long wait to get Garrett Cole. We wanted him out of high school when we drafted him. We wanted him when he left Pittsburgh and we tried to trade for him and didn't get him. Now Cashman basically walked in there with that, that mentality of, like, hey, you ready to come home? You, we know you're a Yankee fan. We know you grew up a Yankee yeah. fan. This is what you want. You want to end your career in pinstripes, bring another championship back to the city? Let's do it. I'll say this. This $300 million spending spree is 10 times better than the $300 million spending spree we had in 14 when we got Ellsbury, Beltron, and McCann. Because none of those deals, (laughs) none of those deals panned out. I mean, to me, looking back at that, I still would have given Cano his 10-year contract over Ellsbury. What I'll say about that, and that's funny because that was the year I walked into the fan cave. So I walked into the fan cave and the 2014 season – the reason they anteed up like that is because it was Jeter's final year, and it was like, let's go spend the money and get all the talent around them. But those those guys were washed. All of those guys were, were pretty much washed. I want to say maybe Jacoby was 
around the age that Cole is. Cole is 29. He's in the middle of his career. He's, yeah. he's potentially in the prime years yeah. of his career that we're getting him for. This isn't a washed-up Jacoby who's injured every week. This isn't a Carlos Beltran who's lost a step. This isn't a Brian McCann who's, you know, past his best years. We brought in this guy, Garrett Cole, in the best part of, you know, what we hope to be his, his uh, legacy, his career. And it's worth what we're spending. And we're not, like, we're not putting, we're not pulling, we didn't pull, like, three different players to try and build out a team. This yeah. team is stacked. Everyone knows that. This team is stacked. From the lineup to now the rotation and the bullpen, this team is stacked. When you put a crown jewel on top of this team like a Garrett Cole, it makes this team ridiculous. Oh, it's the icing on the cake. And it was the pitching rotation, the one question mark going into every season. When are we going to get pitching? When are we going to get yep. pitching? We finally got that guy in Garrett Cole. And now that we gave him $324 million, $36 million per year, we re-signed Gardner one year with that uh, option for a second year. Other than that, do you think any other moves are to be made this offseason? Obviously, Josh yeah. Hader's name is being swirled around, though. To me, like, you don't need Josh Hader. It's more of a want than a need. Like, what it's else do you think will happen? <laughs> if yeah. we pull it off, it's a flex. Oh, yeah. Uh, what I'll say is the offseason didn't end when the winter meetings ended. I was delighted that the offseason, it took the, the way that it went, right? The offseason... Right. In November, I was like, yo, just add me when the deal is done. I'm tired of hearing about Garrett Cole. Then, boom, Astro scandal breaks. And I'm like, oh, this passes the whole month of November into December. Great. We can focus on the Astros cheating and, you know, uncovering evidence on them. We get to here, and it's like, okay, winter meetings come. This is when everyone's in the same rooms together. This is when the whole baseball world is focused on one place, and we got it done. But that doesn't mean that the offseason is done. Um, people were talking about Hater. People were talking about Maldonado bringing in another arm, bringing in another catcher. There's still yet to be seen whether Dellen Batances comes back or not. Um, there's still other places we could show up. We still have to get the 40-man roster where it's supposed to be. We still want to get Hap out of here. Uh, they could ship him to literally anywhere. This is going to go until, who knows, there's going to be moves until opening day. Like oh, yeah. Right before opening day, we saw last year, Tyler Wade not make the roster, and we pick up Talkman from the Rockies. That's an off-season move. Like, there's still off-season moves to be made. Yeah, this is nowhere near done. You think uh, Luke Voigt's giving up 45 for Garrett Cole? Yeah, so over the weekend I did see he is giving yeah. it up. They already have a Cole jersey in Yankee Stadium because they did a toy drive over at the stadium. And um, they had uh, – a, I think Luke Voigt went live on his Instagram, and he was saying that, yeah, he gave it up. I don't know what number he's going to take, but he definitely was going to give it up for Cole. Okay. And Cole will be wearing 45, and I guarantee you that will be the number one selling jersey for the Yankees coming into the 2020 season. A bunch of Cole 45 pinstripe jerseys. Uh, I don't care if you like the name on the back. Get the name on the back because yeah. you want to rep the guy. But when I get my 45 jersey, it's just going to be... 45, probably get yeah. the away jersey because I know everyone's going to have the pinstripes. <laughs> how do, okay, that's an interesting question. Like, how do you feel about uh, Yankees jerseys? It was majestic. Now it's going to be Nike, obviously, teaming with Nike. Yeah. Do you like Yankee jerseys with the name on the back? Because those to me are so, just unofficial, you know? I, you I have talked about this on my podcast. I've talked, to this on, talked about it online. It's never going to change that they sell jerseys with the name right, on the back. Right, right. They make money off of them. They make all the kids' jerseys with the names on the back. These little kids want to read the back of the jersey. It says Judge. Oh, I'm wearing Judge. These little kids aren't thinking that Judge goes out there and doesn't have a nameplate on his back. They want a jersey 
with the name. People wear what you want. People buy what you want. There's this whole brass of fans online that's like, oh, I'm disgusted. Yankees, Yankees don't have names on the back. Well, check me out, right? The whole reason the Yankees don't have names on the back goes back to the times of the DiMaggio's, the Mantles, right? The Yankees are so famous that everyone knows who they are. They don't need names on the back. Well, this year debunked all of that right. because no one knew who Thyro Estrada was. No one knew who Mike Ford was. You, you know what I'm saying? They needed some names on the back. So if you want to buy a Yankee jersey with the name on the back, do you? There's just a whole crop of fans that, like, they stand by it. And I told people, I, I even did the... I did the Yes Network commercial, the first one I did, and I wore my Mariano jersey. It was just a 42, no name on the back. And they threw me a Judge jersey. They're like, you want to wear this Judge jersey? It's got a Yes patch on the side. And I'm like, I would, but it says Judge on the back. And I said, I don't mind it, but I understand there's thousands of people that would see me with it and be like, he's got a fake jersey or not a real fan. He's got a name on the back. But there's literally no one that will be like, hey, He's missing a name on the back. He's got on a real jer- – like no one cares the other way. It's so one-sided. So I'm cool with whatever you want on the back. I don't buy those jerseys. I have one right. one jersey. I have a, a Jeter jersey that I got as a kid that I just keep because it was a, like my kid Yankee jersey. It says Jeter on the back, whatever. And then I have a McPherson Zero jersey that three years ago before Adovino even came on – uh, our team. Yeah. I had a koozie with a zero on the back. I went to the Yankee store in Times Square. I actually got a free authentic Yankee jersey, like blank from Major League Baseball from the fan cave. And I was like, okay, I want to put something on this. I put a zero on it and it was like 25 bucks plus tax, like 30. I was like, I can't just have them press one zero on it for $30. I'm like, <laughs> forget it. Put my name on it. So I have one jersey that says McPherson on the back, but that's my name. Yeah. You should you should be able to wear your name. I don't care if, if your name's Tom and you want to get Tom on the back of a Yankee jersey. It's your money. Wear what you want. I'm fine with it. But be aware that there are a ton of Yankee fans that, like, consider that sacrilegious. And then the Nike swoosh, I'm a Nike guy. I'm wearing what am I? I'm wearing the, the Jeter hoodie. It's from Nike. I have a bunch of Nike stuff. Nike makes really nice Yankee stuff. Now they're making all the Major League Baseball uniforms. I have no problem with the pinstripes having a swoosh over them. Everyone has to wear a swoosh. Like, they're making the jerseys. I'd rather that than a Majestic Mountains or, like, a Rawlings R. It's a Nike swoosh. It's one of the, like, most recognized brands in the world. And when I go to the stadium, I have a Nike headband. I have Nike shoes, Nike socks, literally Nike shorts. If I have eight other Nike logos on me, what's one more going to hurt on my jersey? No, and that's, that's, again, one of, if not the most recognizable logo in sports. If not that, Under Armour, Jordan. Why not? And then uh, the one jersey I have, the one jersey without the name on the back of it is, it was obviously first a Robinson Cano jersey, number 24, which you could say Tino Martinez jersey, Robinson Cano, turns into Gary Sanchez. That's what I like about not having the name on the back because it could evolve over the years. I'll admit, I'm 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 probably the one kid, one Yankee fan out there when I was in eighth grade when those three deals, Ellsbury, McCann, and Beltron went down. I immediately got all their jerseys, and now I have nothing to do with them. Oh, they, they, man. They don't cost I held off. I, I got Tanaka. We got Tanaka, yeah, and I got the Tanaka out, jersey, which that one was good. But I didn't. I knew not to get uh, Ellsbury, Beltron, 
or McCann, I, I just knew not to get those like, guys. I could burn those jerseys for like video content, but that's probably the best thing I could do because they're not Donate worth a dime. Them. Donate them. Just give them, give them away. Someone will wear them. I don't know. Some less fortunate person yeah. that doesn't care about the Yankees. Will wear Maybe. Them. And then uh, for both Cowboys fans, I ordered a Des Bryant jersey. It was the year, the year of the catch game in uh, Green Bay, probably, and I ended up getting four. They gave me 2014. four. Yeah, I got four jerseys for the price of a hundred dollars. I don't know why they sent me three others, but those jerseys today aren't worth a dime. So I have no idea. Dude, dude I, I all these jerseys. I now. donated the. Uh, remember when they first came out with the color rush jerseys? Right. Yeah. With the stars on the top, and that was kind those of like were, a throwback to the good, old, yeah. you know, with the stars on the shoulders. And I always wanted like a a, a Michael Irvin '88 with the stars on it. So instead, I get. Des and I think I had a good run, maybe two years in it, and then I I donated it. I gave it away. <laughs> I had to give it away. I'm like, I can't wear this. Yeah, I, I know what jersey you're talking about. There's one hanging up right behind me here, Tony Romo. I'm not really good at jersey picking. It's a great jersey. <laughs> I, I like the design, but I probably should have went with like Zeke or even like a, a Sean Lee. That would that would have been a good jersey. Yeah, would have worked better. I have a Dak jersey that I just bought this year. I usually wear Aikman. People see me in the eight yeah. Aikman I've had for years. But I bought a Dak jersey this year because going into the season, I'm like, we're going to give him a new contract. And he actually balled out. This is best statistical statistical season. So I'm like, okay, I can wear Dak. We're going to sign him. He's going to be the quarterback. He's been the quarterback the last three years. He's going to be the, the quarterback probably for the next five years at yeah. least. So we'll see. And uh, on the topic of the Cowboys, I only had one question to really ask you on them, and it's pretty simple. Do we have any faith in them in these next two weeks? Because to me, yes, they, they they demolished the Rams yesterday and must win at home. They had to win that game. Must win. But must to win. me, every single weekend, I was kind of looking at Dak's line home versus away. Like, it's pretty even. Like, I really don't know who's going to show up every Sunday. Like, I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I, I go in with the expectation that they were going to lose yesterday and they demolish them. I could say the same for that game back in October against Philly on Sunday Night Football. They were coming off a, a huge loss against the Jets who hadn't won a game all year. I expect them to lose, and then they win. Like, I'm almost pissed off that they won because they didn't really deserve to win that game, and then they win. <laughs> like, next week's basically for the NFC Championship. Dude, I am, I'm the same way. I'm yeah. right there with you. I don't know what to think. I don't know when to believe in the team. I don't know when to say, oh, I'm not. Like, I'm, there's teams that we should have beat, like the Jets. There's teams that, like, the Rams roll in at 8-5 and five after beating the Seahawks, and I'm like, there's no way we beat them. Uh, this is where I'm at with this team. We know they have the talent. Pro bowlers on both sides of the ball experience probably what people call the best offensive line in in football. Um, we've got a great running back, good quarterback, great receiver. Like the talent is there. They have to turn it on. They said that this week Jason Garrett showed like a highlight video of their greatest plays from the year, and then there was a speech Saturday night that was like like a I guess really like gallivanting motivational speech that really got everyone ready to play. Now that has to carry, and this is what I'm 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 leaning on. In the two seasons that we saw this team do well, the three seasons before, now this is this is Dak's fourth season. Yeah. Um, they they got streaky. We watched the Cowboys rip off like an eight game win streak. Um, I want to say in 2016. Then right. last year they lost they lost and it was rock bottom. I remember that Monday Night Football loss to Tennessee. It was like oh no, fire Garrett now, pack the season up. We're we're tanking. And then they ripped off, like, another, like, six or seven-game right, yeah. win streak. The only faith I have in this team is that they can get streaky. They have the talent to get streaky. We're not all the way healthy, but if, 
you know, we take what we did, right, on film. This is going to be the first, one of the first times, uh, it is the first time, it's the first team over 500 that we beat this year. These guys are going to be in the film room today watching the film, and it's like, yo, you guys are playing against fucking Aaron Donald. You guys are playing against Todd Gurley. You guys are playing against Jalen Ramsey. You guys are playing, these, this team went to the Super Bowl last year, and you put 44 points up on them. Do it again. Show up and do it again. The Eagles, come on, the, that yeah. Eagles team has... They're, they're, they they don't have any talent. They like Carson Wentz. They have Miles Sanders is good, but he's a rookie. They, when you line up on paper, the talent versus talent, they don't stand a chance against us. They have the same record as us. We should roll into Philly, handle business, and be done with it. Win the East, and then hopefully carry that momentum into the playoffs where anything can happen. I think we'll be one and done because we've seen that a bunch of times. Yeah. But the Cowboys can get streaky with this talent. They've done it together before. They've gone on winning streaks, streaks together before. They win, They beat the Rams. They beat the Eagles. Uh, they win and go into the playoffs. Maybe I think it's looking like we're going to end up getting, I don't know, the Niners. Or, yeah. you know, I think there's a couple other it's like things Seattle that fall into place. Like Niners or yeah. Seattle. depends between who wins the, the NFC West. Right. I mean, I'd rather see Seattle. But... The Cowboys can get streaky, and like I said, playoffs, anything can happen. The energy in Jerry World will be up there. There was something like 93,000 people at the game last night. Those people will be right back, and the Cowboys have a chance to get streaky. And maybe, obviously, we know it's the end of the Garrett era. But maybe salvage this season to to win one playoff game and say, hey, wasn't all that bad, you know. I don't want to see another loss. We we end with seven, and not to reference the Giants because I hate the Giants. The Giants have won Super Bowls at nine and seven. Yeah. The Giants have gone on to get hot with less talent than this team. So it has been done before. We can't say it hasn't been done before. And uh, I'm, I'm fingers crossed for that because I'm checked out. I'm I'm nowhere near as optimistic about the Cowboys as I am about the Yankees. I watch the Yankees every game with complete confidence that the Yankees can win. I watch the Cowboys knowing that what can go wrong will go wrong, and I'm just waiting for it to happen. No, I've been numb since. What, what was it? The It was Dak's rookie year, the loss to the Packers in the divisional round. After that, I'm like, all right, I'm numb to anything that happens moving Jared forward. Jared Cook catches that ball. They go, I'm like, one you second left. I'm like, kidding. seriously? You can't run off one second here? Please? Like, does God not want the Cowboys to win? Here's a question for you. Do you think Witten comes back next year, or you think he's just came back for one year and he's done? Because no. if anything, it's like, do it for a big wit. Try and, like, make yeah. a playoff run. This guy came out of retirement. Try and make a playoff run for him. No, I think he'll come back at least one more year next year. I just think he's, like, the ultimate football guy. Because yeah. you saw last year when he was in the booth at ESPN, it was just like it wasn't clicking. Like, you, when I when I got that notification on my phone, Jason Witten returns to the Cowboys on a one-year deal, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't shock me. Like, this guy's a right. football guy. Where he belongs. Like, when he retired, I'm like, okay. Like, he, he kept coming back. Like, he should, probably should have retired two or three years ago. At his age, he goes to the booth. I'm like, okay, like this guy's. There's something there, like you know, like mentally. It's the Romo effect. Yeah. Romo went to the booth, and him being a quarterback and just being Romo is good at everything. The guy can golf. Guy can play basketball. He was like a, a multi-sport athlete in high school. Um, I think he won the Walter Payton Award when he was in college. Romo goes into the booth, and he's basically calling the games. He's basically predicting what's going to happen, and they're friends probably put a little bug in Witten's ear that, hey, man, I used to be in film rooms with Tony and talk this same talk. Maybe I can go do that on Monday Night Football. 
No, sir. It's a little different Full ball game. Yeah. A little bit different ball game. He was a fish out of water. He didn't belong. He didn't belong. Now, th- given, like, I think it's NFC Championship game or bust for Jason Garrett, even if they make the NFC Championship game some way, somehow, because you look at that NFC, uh, NFL uh, playoff picture, you got 12 and 2 49ers, 12 and 2 Seahawks, 10 and 3 Saints, 11 and 3 Packers, 7 and 7 Dallas Cowboys. It's yeah. going to be an uphill climb. <laughs> I find that hilarious. This is probably the best NFC uh, hunt to date in the last 10 Yeah, years. I saw it. They flashed it yesterday, and I was like, look at this. This is stacked yeah. up. And I was like, almost kind of like threw back to the 90s. I'm like, the, the 49ers are in it. The Packers are in it. The Cowboys are in it. But it's the NFC least this year. Oh, my God. And do you think that – like, who, who would be the replacement for Jason Garrett? Because I think this is it regardless of what happens. I mean, 10 years, 10 years plus as the – coach of the Dallas Cowboys without a Super Bowl appearance? I mean, come on. Like, do you think a guy like Tony Romo would leave the booth to come join Jerry World? I think right now I'm really leaning into the Urban Meyer talk. Yeah. Just because, one, the relationship he has with Zeke. Two, he's won everywhere that he's went, and he kind of was forced to leave Ohio State. I feel like he's got that hunger, like, wait, I wasn't done. I was going to do some things at Ohio State. But obviously the situation happened with domestic violence and, that, you know, this, that, and the other where he had to step down. But at Ohio State right now, look at the, the Heisman this past weekend. Yeah. The Heisman featured three kids that got credits at Ohio State. Justin Fields, Chase Young, Joe Burrow. Ohio State is cranking out NFL talent. Bring in Urban, go into the draft and draft some of these Ohio State kids. Bring a different mentality to the team that we have. I think we've got a couple other uh, – we might have got rid of the, the Noah Brown guy who's a receiver from Ohio State. Right, yeah. But we have Mike Weber and we have Zeke that are Ohio State guys. Bring some of that mentality in. It's about changing the mentality. We have all the players. We have all the talent. Teams mimic the head coach. The mentality of Jason Garrett is very subdued, quiet, clapper on the sidelines we all know. We need a fiery guy. Urban Meyer gets fired up. He's uh, a leader of men. He's a player's coach. And the only mountain he hasn't climbed – is the NFL? I'd be with that. They say Lincoln Riley, but I think I think Lincoln Riley isn't going to leave Oklahoma until he needed at Oklahoma to get there. You know, every year they stumble against like OSU or Iowa State. He's got to go undefeated at Oklahoma to get there. So I don't think he's running the Jerry World just yet. But he might be in the conversation. Um, I don't know. We, we shall see. No, I definitely agree with you on the fact that it's more coaching than it is talent. Like this is one of the more talented Dallas Cowboys teams that they've had over the last four or five year stretch both offensively, defensively. They came into the year just boasting about their defense, and it hadn't been there after, what, week four? Like, the first Let three you. weeks, everybody's like, oh, here we come. Like, what, we played the Giants, Dolphins, and Redskins? Like, let's calm down. we got to <laughs> beat a team over 500. Then we play Teddy Bridgewater Saints and couldn't get the job done. And then just like that, snap of the fingers, we're 500. Like, what the hell happened? Wanted to, of course, plug talking Nets. Are you as big of a, a Yankee, uh, Nets fan as you are Yankees Cowboys? Like, what, what was it's the, funny. The I get Nets? that question a lot. I'm a Yankee fan first, right. but that's because how could you not be? Like, they win, and I'm right here. If I got in my car right now, I could be at Yankee Stadium in yeah. 25 minutes. I'm a Yankee fan first, but I've always been a Nets fan because um, I'm from New Jersey. The Nets obviously used to play in Continental Airlines Arena right. when they moved them to Brooklyn. I kind of boycotted for a year because I was mad. I'm like, we only have two franchises. We have the Devils. We have the Nets. You can't rob us of our, our hoops. Like, you can't take our NBA team. But I went there in the playoffs. I don't know if you can see. I have, like, the Brooklyn banner up yeah, here. From, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Brooklyn Nets, Chicago Bulls playoffs in 2013, April 23rd, 2013, my fiance took me to that game and I saw the arena and I heard how like how much they play the hip hop and the sounds and the culture they were building over there. This is now six years ago and I'm like, this is way better. This is way better. I am a, a Yankee fan, Cowboy fan, Nets fan in that order. And the Cowboys, I've been to Jerry World. I've been to MetLife Stadium to see the Cowboys. I've been to Chicago to see the Cowboys. I've been to Philly to see the Cowboys. But, like, you can't be as big of a Cowboy fan because I haven't watched the Cowboys win a Super Bowl since I was in elementary school. Like, it's just not the same. I watched the Yankees win the World Series in college. That was amazing. Like, the the feeling of being a drunk college kid throwing a party (laughs) and the Yankees do it and you get to kind of celebrate. Like, I was trying to get out of football practice in class to go to the parade back then and I was crushed that I couldn't figure that out. I had to go to class, had to go to practice and miss the parade. There's no, you just can't compare it to the Yankees and then, like I say, I'm a blessed Yankee fan. My life and what I naturally do, what I naturally create, the person that I am, has fallen in line with the Yankees where I'm in this Yankee world now. There's no way that I could be as big of a Yankee fan as I am anything else. But the Nets are coming along yeah. and obviously I have the connection to the Yes Network. And we're covering the, the Nets on Talking Nets, John Boy Media, me and Bobby Skinner, who is a Giants fan. We're building up the Nets community. And um, when the Nets are killing it next year with KD back and Kyrie, I plan on being there repping the Nets just as hard as I rep the Yankees. But no, nothing can touch the Yankees, man. The Yankees, being a Yankee fan, I tell people, changed my life. Once I got into the fan cave and represented the Yankees as, like, that guy for the, that year, Jeter's year, I, I kind of just took off from there, so... No, I'm a, I'm a Yankee fan first. Yankees trump every other sport and team. And Yankees in the Bronx, Nets in Brooklyn. You grew up in Jersey, like you said, you're in New York now. Are you, because, uh, again, I'm from Jersey, and I ended up leaving Phoenix. I had internships in L.A. I prefer the West Coast over the East Coast. Are you, like, to me, it was a love-hate relationship with the New York, New Jersey area. What obviously now, like New York's where it's at for you. Did you ever have that love hate relationship? Did you ever think about leaving New York? Oh, of course, man. Of course. My my sister lives in LA and she started her own like glitter glam business where she does makeup <laughs> and glitter art for people. And she lived in a spring training in Arizona. Um, I actually went through when I left Rock Nation, I was working at Jay Z Sports Agency in New York at Rock Nation, and I interview for a bunch of jobs and sent literally like 200 applications and resumes and nothing stuck. I was in the Foot Locker office and went through two rounds of interviews. I was in MLB office, went through a round of interviews. And when I crapped out, I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to just pick up and go to LA or, you know, talking to my future wife. I'm like, maybe we need to change the scenery. Maybe New York isn't it. And New York is a rough place. You know, just last week, the shooting in Jersey City that happened. Yeah. Like, I used to live on Grand Street in Jersey City. I have been right over to where that all took place, and it is crazy to think about. I definitely can speak to someone being jaded from the New York, New Jersey area, wanting to go out west and live the dream. That's literally what everyone's dream is. It's sunny. Uh, it's yeah. nice. Like, right now, it's, like, 35 and freezing. They're talking about months dealing with, like, I don't know, homeless people and terrorism. But, right, yeah. uh, I can't leave now. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm blessed with this Yankee culture. I'm, bre- I'm blessed that, yeah. like... I am in this Yankee culture online and at the stadium, and I have the like history, and it pairs with my like resume and what I've done. I'm, I'm don't I don't plan on leaving. I fought through that little bit of time where I thought about right. leaving, and now that I've kind of had success with putting myself out there and creating, but I'm gonna be living out there. So, last question before I let you go. I know you got a few minutes here. 
obviously you talked about talking Yanks, John Boy Media, you, John Boy, Joe's McFly, the whole gang, you guys all basically coming all in the New York, New Jersey area, coming together, huge Yankee fans, you now all teaming with John Boy Media. What's that been like, just kind of like coming up with uh, some of these guys like Jimmy, uh, Jake Story, and of course, Joe's McFly, and teaming with John Boy Media. You talked about leaving Bronx pinstripes before we came on. What's it been like with John Boy Media, and how's that success happened? Because you know, like, you were talking a little bit about uh, people like, of course, everybody's got their Yankee podcast. You have the bar, so you yeah. got Eric Cubs doing his stuff, just kind of like game recaps, kind of going with the flow. What are some of the outside-the-box ideas that you guys have? Because you did say a lot of stuff's coming for John Boy Media. Yeah, so what I'll say about John Boy, Jake, Joe's McFly, I look at the four of us together next year covering the Yankees as potentially being the top guys covering the Yankees. And not to knock anyone else, but I just know with our little group chat we have and the things that we are working on and the, the diversity and the difference in our personalities. You know, McFly's got the Spanish audience. He's Spanish-speaking. Me being a black dude, bringing a hip-hop element, <laughs> obviously the dynamic between um, Jake and John Boy is almost like like frat brothers, and like they've got this like chemistry because they've been around each other for so long. I think that there's there's something that everyone can um, look at us and, and find and look in a uh, look into our content and find something that they like. And, and like we have a little Google Doc where I just write ideas, and I've got so many little ideas around everything and anything that can can happen and. Um, coming up with these guys, like what I tell people right now is if you see someone starting someone that or starting something that's your friend or starting something that you like, if you're a fan of the Yankees and some guy online that you follow is like, hey, I'm starting, support them. Support everyone because you never know what's going to happen. You never know what it's going to turn into. I remember the day that John Boy said, hey, I'm quitting my full-time job yeah. and I'm going to cover the Yankees full-time. I'm going to take this seriously um, I hope you guys like it. I'm going to start a podcast. I'm going to create videos. I'm going to have a website, blah, 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 blah. And I, I remember everyone seemed like they were, yeah, go for it. There was a lot of support. But what, stud, what, what stuck out to me the most was the negative. There was a couple guys that said shit like, don't quit your day job. Um, who asked you to do this? Yeah, good luck with that. And those closed-minded people, you don't want to ever be one of those people. Even if it's just a knee-jerk reaction, even if it's just something like, even if you hate that person, don't put that out there because you never know what it could be. Fast forward to two years, right? I've always supported John Boy. I'm done working with, with Bronx Pinstripes, conflict of interest, you know, difference of opinion, whatever it might be. I reach out to John Boy, and they know that I'm a fan. They actually were doing... Um, they were doing voicemails on an episode maybe a month or so ago, and they laughed. They said they went back in the voicemails from the end of last season, and they heard my voice. And they were like, yo, that's Keith. And I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, Even though I'm someone in this Yankee world and created a podcast, I'm a Yankee fan first. I listen to all the Yankee podcasts I can listen to. Maybe I'll like them. So connecting with them now, it's like, yo, we can come together and form Voltron. We can come together and form like a super friends. We can come together and create who knows the sky's the limit because now there are no gatekeepers now these you know we're the children of the internet now we're grown men we're in our 30s now like i just turned 31 john boy just turned 30 jake just turned 30 mcfly i think is 30 something where we're still young and we get it but now we're old enough to be taken seriously yeah. and coming together I, I can't let anything out of the bag yet but I just know that, like, the the Bronx and the Yankees and what we're going to do next year, like, my mind's eye, I've never been this excited 
for a season. I've always been excited to watch the Yankees, but now for what part I can play in, into it and what I can do for people that are looking for more content and people that are just wild Yankee fans that want to like live vicariously through someone, I'm like, oh, we've got some stuff in store for them. So look out for all the John Boy Media stuff, Talking Yanks, Pinstripe Strong Podcast. And I'm trying to develop something, and this is, I guess, something I can let out of the bag. Um, all, I said to you before we started recording that all these Yankee podcasts, they just go over the games and series, whether they do it once a week, whether they do it twice a week, whether they recap the weekend or whatever. And I'm, I'm just like... I don't have it in me to do that again. I did it last year. It was cool. And if people listen to George's box, we would talk about anything. If I'm coming back from Coachella, you're going to hear me talk about Coachella. If I'm in the suite with Brian Cashman, you're going to hear me talk about um, being in the suite with Brian Cashman. It wasn't just Yankee content. And I think that's what drew people to our podcast the most. It wasn't going to be just us talking about, you know, um, the third inning. Um, you know, Didi had a, a slap single that turned like, no. Right. This year, I am looking to create a podcast in the Yankee world that can live uh, um, independently from, like, the games. I want to create Yankee content that people can listen to that's more evergreen. I want to create some type of show that isn't just based on what happened in the series. Because sometimes you get on the podcast and it's like, yo, we got swept. Well, we didn't get swept last year. We won a lot. But, like, sometimes it's whack to get on the podcast and be like, yo, we got to talk about the last two games. Or, like, when the when the Blue Jays, the young Blue Jays beat us this past year, I'm like, I don't want to talk about Kevin Biggio. I don't want to talk about Vladdy Jr. I don't, like, don't want to talk about these kids. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and make something very soon for people that are Yankee fans that they can just turn on. And don't, it don't matter what games happen. It don't matter... When it was, I've got a bunch of stories from my experience. Um, I've got a bunch of stories at the stadium. I want to teach people some things about the stadium and the Yankee culture and things that go on. And that's that's what I'm, I'm working on with John Boy Media. So that's all coming soon. And given how big John Boy Media's got, you talked a little bit about some of the creative differences you had with Bronx Pinstripes. With John Boy Media, with you guys as the core, is it more like freelance? Like you guys are going to do what you guys want to do? Or do you, like you mentioned, you had a group chat. Like do you all come together and like decide what's best for... Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're gonna. It's gonna be business, and it's gonna be professional, and it's gonna be collaborative. But right now, it's just looking like I said, like sky's the limit. Yeah. And just create and put out there and see what sticks. And there are no rules. Like we are disruptors. Even like you said, you saw them at um, the winter meetings, right? That's the right, first year yeah. John Boy had a table at, at Radio Row, humble beginnings. Who knows what that's going to look like next year. When the cold news broke, they set up, they went live, and yeah. they recorded. Yeah. They had a few drinks in them. But you know what? That raw emotion, that raw feeling of, okay, we signed Garrett Cole, we're going live. Do that. Yes Network was shut down. MLB Network was shut down. Fox was shut down. No, these, these guys are disrupting stuff. We're all changing the game, and uh, I look forward to what we can do. Because baseball, this is the last thing I'll say about that, baseball is a sport that is struggling to figure out. I mean, they're getting there, but struggling how to how to move forward into the future and how to make baseball cool again, I've heard a lot. And yeah. We are the guys that are making baseball cool again, and we've got some ideas and that that old unwritten rules and that, that old your father's baseball, like that stuff's going out of the window, man. Yeah. The whole let the kids play thing, like they're letting the kids play. Well, the, the kids don't all actually play the game. There's some kids like us that grew up on the Internet and – our game is talking about the game and doing it with style and doing it with flair and doing it in a funny way that people connect to that aren't, you know, you can be the diehard fan and, and we have a lane for you, um, John Boy Media, but we also are going to create lanes and I'm going to be on top of that 
for the person that's like, yeah, you know, I really do want to get into the Yankees this year. I heard they signed Garrett Cole. What, what do I listen to if I don't know all the players? What do I listen to if I don't understand all the stats? Yeah, Keith's got a podcast for just a general Yankee fan yeah. where you'll learn about the history. You'll learn what's going on in the Bronx. You'll learn little bits and things about the players and what happens, but it won't be that, like, master's course of, like, oh, I don't oh, yeah, understand no. any of this. It's going to be more, uh, more open to anyone to listen to. So is it safe to say we won't be uh, hearing any analytics or sabermetrics on your end? I just don't feel. I mean, like you, <laughs> you'll you'll hear it from me when it when it fits. When it's yeah. like okay, you know, when we're talking about Matt Blake and then the effects that he has on our rotation, then you know I'll talk about it. But there's enough guys doing that. Like even ESPN has a broadcast where it's like the sabermetrics broadcast or the analytical broadcast that you can turn to, which is cool because they need that. Because right. Sunday Night Baseball, nobody's a fan of how they Maybe. do that. So it's cool that they have that. But me, personally, I'm just like, I'm not a type that tries to pile on. I've I've made it and I've um, you know, gotten my respect by doing things a little differently. Like, you know what? Alright, we're waiting for the Astros series to come. I'm going to kick a freestyle about the Yankees versus the Astros. No one's doing that. Like, I'm going to be more of the pop culture, um, you know, all-encompassing guy that, you know, you feel like you can you can watch me or listen to me, and uh, you don't have to know um, every stat about the Yankees. You don't have to know what, what FIP and Sierra and WHIP and WAR and, you know, you don't need to know these acronyms and what they mean. Like, we're just going to have a good time. We're going to root for the Yankees, and uh, hopefully it ends in a parade that everyone in New York City and surrounding areas can, areas can come to. That would be amazing for you, working with the Yes Network now. You might actually get an opportunity to hop up on one of those duck boats. I Cross mean, you just said it, man. <laughs> I'm trying to be on one of those floats. Come 2020, November of 2020, when we're popping champagne, I hope it's the party of the century. I, I saw it this year, but I, I just, like, I don't know. I, I knew it was going to be tough. I wanted yeah. the Astros. I saw it potentially happen this year. But, you know, it, it unraveled. I was at the ALCS games, and the feeling in the stadium, I knew we weren't going to be able to get it done once we lost a couple of those games. But next year, it's always next year, and now we're in it. And like I said, I'm a blessed Yankee fan, man. Yeah. Being connected with the Yes Network, with John Boy, and even things I've done on my own, MLB Fan Cave, it's going to put me in a great position to just be um, a fan creating and doing what I love. So I, I, I hope I hope it all ends in a World Series, and I hope I am standing on a float come uh, November 2020. Well, we'll see if the Yankees could come away with a 2020 championship. They're the MLB favorites at the moment. I'm excited to see what John Boy Media has in store with all you guys. All you guys thinking outside the box. It's not like every it's not like everyday content. It's really exciting to watch. It's very fun to watch, which is at the end of the day what's most important here between you, John Boy, Joseph McFly. Uh, Jake, whoever else you guys got coming on. You mentioned Bobby Skinner. You guys were talking nets. Thanks for reaching out. I'm glad I could help. I wish you luck with everything you're doing. And uh, whenever you're in New York or you hit Yankee Stadium, yeah. be sure to drop me a line and we'll meet up. I'm so boned. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely going to break up with you. She's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Today. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.